There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And whenever I want information about absolutely anything having to do with wine, the wine industry, wine country, there are about four or five people that I go to one of my absolute favorites, because I could talk to him for just hours and hours on end, is a guy who's celebrating his birthday today. But unfortunately, it's really not going to be very much fun for him today because he lives in Sonoma County. He is the sommelier to the stars. It is Christopher Sawyer, and what a bummer, Christopher. Hey, David. Thanks for the call today. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit uh, strange here. I would call it surreal. You know, we're going through a lot of turmoil here because of, you know, exactly what everyone's been reading about and looking at in the TV sets. Um, yeah, we've had a huge, massive fire. It's looking at about, I think the last time I checked, it was 76,000 acres burned. It's about 30% containment, so it has doubled. So that's a positive thing. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are still evacuated. There's a lot of businesses that are suffering. I would say that the one statistic of them all that probably is the only one that's really good is that there are no deaths. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. And so there were a number of deaths from our last big fire here in Sonoma County two years ago. And it's almost exactly two years ago that it happened again. So, you know, it's kind of a bizarre situation that we're in right now. And, you know, a lot of the wine country gets hit by this. It doesn't just affect uh, Sonoma County, but the problem with the, the fire right now is it really is going over the hill towards Lake County and Napa County. So, you know, Calistoga is still completely evacuated, as is Healdsburg, uh, Windsor, and parts of uh, Lake County as well. You know, it's so amazing about that. I can't even picture what that's like because you're talking about some of the most iconic wine country cities in the world and I've roamed those streets as you have many many times they're bustling little towns they're so picturesque and so wonderful like Calistoga as an example I, I can't even picture what it would be like to walk down the main street of Calistoga with nobody there I agree I, I think the same thing about Hillsburg you know and these other towns uh, but you know we've we've had had some weird stuff going on, you know, a lot of this power outages that we're getting up here in the north have not been good, you know, I mean, PG&E was to blame for this fire, and they even admitted it, and, you know, residents tired of shutoffs, and, and PG&E is the headline in the newspaper today. So what does the headline read? It just says, residents tired of shutoffs and PG&E. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly like it sounds. It's interesting. Uh, but, you know, we, we have a lot of firefighters here. I mean, I guess that's the one thing that you can look to as a good positive thing that, you know, people are really coming from all over California to, to help. And obviously we've got more fires down south. But, you know, right now we've got almost uh, 5,000 firefighters on hand in, in this county. That's so amazing. And they, they do such an amazing job. Again, this is just like two years to the week, actually, since the Tubbs fire and literally thousands of people yeah. lost their homes. What was the final size of the Tubbs fire before they put it out? Do you recall? I don't recall right off the top of my head. I think it's just denial on my behalf because yeah. it's just so big. I mean, you know, when the, the other fire hit this past year up near Paradise and that area, it covered more ground, but we took a very big beating you know, insurance money and everything and just full on loss. It's been a tough one to watch this. I guess the one other good thing is like, it's really in a lot of these kinds of areas, it's really just forest. I mean, there are houses up there and it's kind of like, I'm sure David, you've been there too, where you go to a cool house up in the hills and you're like, oh man, this is really cool house. But you're like, oh, I don't know if I'd live here if a fire came. Yeah. So, you know, you do take risks and everyone has to acknowledge that. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it might be a beautiful thing and you have a beautiful view, but, you know, we're starting to see that it's kind of sad because of the last fire that happened. Yeah, I guess it was still considered the tubs, but the part that got to Sonoma, and there's a lot of, like, really, really dazzling viewpoints up there that are just for sale right now. So people are kind of sick of getting <laughs> evacuated and, yeah. and breathing in smoke. I guess the other thing, too, that it's just kind of a little bit of a hardship for us. I mean, we're not evacuated. We're down at the lower part of Sonoma County, right on the Sonoma Marin County line. But we, you know, we did get power outage as everyone else did. Luckily, ours was only two days, but that's not what a lot of other people got. So there's some places that are still waiting to get their lights back on. You know, from this is like from last Friday. It's crazy. At the height of it, it was something like two million people without power. That's two million refrigerators at least with food going bad. It's two million people who potentially have all kinds of things that keep them alive, like in the case of my mother, oxygen and things that yeah. work off of power. And if you don't have a generator, and most people don't, you're in really big trouble. And I wanted to really uh, point out one thing that I think is super important. If you're listening somewhere in another part of the country and you haven't been to Napa or Sonoma, you may have the false impression that we're talking rich people in big mansions. Not the case. Most of the no. people who are in these areas these are people who work out in the vineyards, who work with their hands, who are hardworking, middle-class people who have families and who suffer so much when the power goes out or they can't work or the winery or business burns down. And it impacts everybody because 90% of the wine that uh, we consume in the United States comes from California, and we're talking about an impact on an industry where, first of all, it can impact the price, it can impact availability. Then something I really want to talk to you about, Christopher, is yep. it can impact the wine itself. There's a, so much discussion right now about smoke taint. Can we jump into that for a second? It's a really big deal. Yeah, probably my favorite memory. It's not a great memory. I remember when there was a fire up in Mendocino County and someone just decided he's going to release that wine regardless and he called 
called it Campfire Red, <laughs> and he sold out of it very quickly. Yeah. But it smells exactly like campfires, <laughs> and know. so that is not exactly what a world-class wine smells like. But it's not the worst smell you've ever had either. But is it drinkable? Yes. But, you know, we, we do have problems, too. I mean, we were told about this a long time ago, and I heard a couple of my friends who were from Rotor up in Mendocino County talking about, oh, man, do you get a new generator? Because I'm looking for one, and generators are like a big commodity right now. So, you know, people with generators, they, they're worth something right now. But it's because this is going to happen again and again. You know, there are fire dangers, and PG&E has control to turn your electricity off. That's just incredibly amazing. Tell me this, where were we in terms of harvest? I know like Cabernet Sauvignon is usually among the last grapes to come in. How far along would you say harvest was at the I, point I that think, this fire I started? Think that Cabernet probably is going to take a beating again. It happened in 2017. I got to say one thing about it. It's been so dry and the wind has been a big force to kick off the fire. But to be really honest, it's only flowing pretty much east in most cases. There was one day a couple days ago where it was pretty darn smoky, not just here in Sonoma County, but throughout the Bay Area. And at one point, I mean, it was pretty bad. So if you didn't pick your grapes, you are in dangerous zone right now. We do have techniques to kind of take that smell out of there a little bit. It's never going to be 100%, but there are better techniques than we had, you know, back in that 2008 fire but we're doing okay. Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, all that stuff already in. That's not a question at all. And especially the new kinds of styles of wine that are not going for the big, over-the-top, old flavors. You're usually picking that just when the flavor and the acid are in sync. So that, that would suggest that most people probably had their stuff in besides Cabernet producers in, in most cases, yeah. And, and obviously, we care infinitely more about human life and lost homes but we are a wine show and you are in the wine business so it's something that we want to talk about and i definitely the last two weeks had other things that i had planned on talking about but this is a real serious situation and the economic impact for uh, not just california but the country is is quite significant christopher sawyer the sommelier to the stars man this guy's been everywhere on usa today msn nbc abc cbs Red Book, The Hollywood Reporter, Maxim, National <laughs> Geographic, oh my gosh, CNN, Esquire, and it's supposed to be your birthday party tonight, but not tonight. Yeah. Christopher, hold that thought for just a second because yep. i got to take a quickie break, okay? And stay with me for just a second. We're going to be back with you Christopher Sawyer, sommelier to the stars, talking about the very, very tragic fire that is still engulfing Sonoma County, but we're going to move on to some more pleasant things in just a second on Grape Encounters Radio. like to talk about wine. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. 
And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. And when the big-time Hollywood celebrities, the rich and the famous, need to know anything about wine, they contact a guy who just turned 50 years old today. You don't look 50. Christopher Sawyer, you look like a little boy still. Well, you know, I always say it's I, I drink fine wines and it preserves my insides going out. So that's how I've preserved myself is drinking fine wine. The French paradox, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, seriously, you look so young. You, you do. You look like 35 maybe. So good for you. Thank you. <laughs> I, people that. always tell me I look young, but then I, I grew a beard and it came in gray. And I go, I, that's, <laughs> that's not so good. Hey, listen, there's something I learned about you. I just kind of stumbled upon it. And you and I have never talked about this. We've known each other for a long time, but we've never talked about this. We've talked about wine and motion pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. But we never have gotten onto the subject of wine and music. And I didn't know that that was something that you're into. You probably have never heard me pontificate about how important music is to wine and wine is to music and the impact that music has on wine. Can you talk oh, to yeah. that for a second? Because this is sure, I, you, sure. you obviously yeah, I uh, mean, feel very I, strongly about you know, this. The, the reason I got into the wine industry, even though I did grow up in Russian River Valley, and that's a, that's a great thing to say that I did grow up here in Sonoma County, and that is absolutely true. But the fact was I went to University of California, Davis, and I was the music critic there, and I needed more credits. And my, my professor said, you know, you, you got to uh, get some more credits, so we need you to take some... Uh, we need you to be Mr. Science now. So you're going to be writing about music, but you're also going to be talking to uh, uh, veterinarians about cutting bulls balls off. And you're going to talk to these guys about, you know, what they're doing with science. And then you're going to talk to these people that are uh, viticulture enologists who are some of the greatest ones in the world. And I didn't realize that UC Davis was pretty much the home of some of the greatest uh, professors in, in the world on wine. And so that's kind of how it happened. But music has always been an important part of my life. I mean, I, I will say that I live by music. I, you know, everything goes by music with me. Everything has a soundtrack attached to it, even though you might be able to hear it or you might not be able to hear it. But right. I'm thinking that way at all times. So um, it's just something when you come down to my cellar, it's all about vinyl down there. Um, you know, so I do a lot of pairings and it's it's a kind of a funny story where you know, people, because I don't have a bathroom in my cellar, but, you know, people will say, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to run upstairs and go to the bathroom. And they come back down and they're like, oh, Chris, it's uh, it's light out now. Oh, uh, no. but, but that's yeah. how you can get lost on great music and great wines when you pair them together. I was intrigued. Quite a few years ago, I read a piece on winemaker in South America, Aurelio Montez, and he commissioned a study that looked at how certain music impacts our perception of wine. And I was so shocked by it because I could understand if somebody said, well, you put on this kind of music and your perception improves by a couple of percent or something like that, somewhere within the margin of error. But if I have this number right, and I think I do, if you listen to music played in a minor key, we're talking doors, you know, don't you love her madly? I know that sounds good, doesn't it? Anyway, and you're drinking heavy red wines perception improves by around 60%. 60%. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you kidding me? You know what they should do is winemakers who are stuck with a bad vintage, they should just attach a CD to the bottle and say, do not drink this wine unless you're listening to the CD. It's so much better. Yeah, (laughs) you know, um, it's interesting because record sales have really increased. I mean, they're getting close to surpassing, you know, sales of CDs right now. And the fact is that when you listen to a record, it is very different than listening to a CD because you have two sides. And side one is a very, you know, they had a really big idea about what they were doing on side one. But side two could be darker, deeper, richer, you know, in comparative with a with a wine. And it also has to have that one thing on the finish that makes you want to flip it over again. So there's a lot of parallels here with wine and music for sure. So what wine would you... Now, I'm going to really generalize here, okay? Really generalize. If you had to just generalize and take a stab at this question, what wine would pair with side one versus the wine you would pair with side two? And I know you're going to ask me, well, what kind of music? But I'm just going to... Let's just say a classic rock album. How's that? Yeah, um, side two usually tends to be a little bit deeper. Like I said, it's a little bit more expansive. You know, the songs tend to be like a seven-minute song versus the three-minute hit. So it can really take you places. So you really need those kind of not just full body, but things that have that get better as as they open up in the glass. So something like a great red burgundy or something like a Syrah, like a kind of a more cool climate Syrah that you think you know what it is, but then it starts changing on you because it's so good. Those kinds of things uh, are what that reminds me of, for sure. Have you done any research on your own about wine and music, done any experimentation with people down in your cellar, made any observations that you think are worth noting? I actually am going to be DJing at uh, the DNA Lounge in San Francisco coming up here. I think it's the 9th of November, and my friend Darwin and his band are there, and he works with uh, David J. from Love and Rockets, uh, the great band Love and Rockets. So, I mean, you know, I'm taking wines that I'm pairing with his hit song. You know, it's totally doable. There's a way of doing it. You know, it's kind of like when I address movies. Movies is is a little bit different because you have a lot of characters in movies. Sometimes it's one character. Sometimes it's actually supporting cast, like kind of like a cab that has some Merlot and some Cab Franc and some Petit Verdot in it. And sometimes it's a... Sometimes it's just a period piece that's completely different. And so you want some Spanish wine now. So, it, you know, some of them is just goofy stuff, like Little Miss Sunshine, where I, I remember I think that was in Esquire that I did that one. And it was kind of a Chardonnay and a Pinot Grigio mixed together, which makes no sense. But you know what? It was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And you, you throw those characters in that bus, you shake it up. It made sense in the end. There you go. You know? Hey, Christopher, one more break here. And I, I said we were going to talk about the fun to help the fire victims and we need to still squeeze that in we are talking to the birthday boy having that most significant of birthdays today the big five oh but he only looks like the little three five so that's that's or maybe you know what i think you look like christopher honestly you look like 33 and a third uh thanks (laughs) anyway we'll be back with christopher sawyer the sommelier to the stars who is right now at this very moment up in sonoma county where there's just a horrible tragedy going on but we're going to try to look toward the brighter side of life on grape encounters radio
Grape Encounters is, of course, brought to you by Total Wine and More. Did you know that Total Wine and More's buying teams travel across the entire country and the world looking for new and exciting wines? Total Wine doesn't just sell the same old, same old. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at an incredible price. Just look for that yellow Winery Direct tag in their stores or online. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, every week we encourage you to look beyond the ordinary and seek the extraordinary. That's why you definitely want to check out Winery Direct at Total Wine and More. These are products that are identified by the yellow shelf tag in their stores and online. You can learn more at TotalWine.com. I don't know what it would be like to consult with the Gorbachevs, but I am on the line with somebody who has done that. I was—I should say, consult with the Gorbachevs about wine, but my right. guest today—you weren't doing any foreign policy stuff. It was about wine. Anyway, my dear friend Christopher Sawyer has done that. He's worked with a lot of really famous names like the Getty family and John Lasseter, right? Yeah, I still work with John, yeah. Pixar Disney, yeah. Yeah, Gordon Getty, we were just talking about music and wine. I mean, you want to talk about one of the guys that <laughs> loves music and wine so much. Gordon is a opera singer kind of in his own right. Oh, really? There was actually a documentary made about him and music. Oh, wow. Pretty interesting. By the way, speaking of documentaries, I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I got a new fire stick I attached to my TV, and I'm always looking for good wine films, you know, and documentaries. And, yeah. you know, and I always go to Netflix, and there's like about four, right? Not very many. 
But then I talk to Alexa. I've got a voice control fire stick, and I'm talking to Alexa. I go, Alexa, show me movies about wine. So she pulls up movies from Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you have Amazon Prime and you haven't searched for wine movies, you'll be stunned. Check it out. There's some movies we're going to definitely talk about at some point, Christopher. Okay. And we're not that far away from our next round of pairing wine with the Academy Awards. It's not that far away anymore. Anyway, let's talk about uh, fundraising. Last go-round, two years ago, you guys just did an awesome job. So what's the plan this year to try to help folks? Well, like I said, it, it is my 50th birthday, and I had an amazing lineup of great winemakers that were going to be there all bringing wines to pour for my guests and everything. And I called it off a couple days ago, A, because, hey, it's just a hard time right now in Sonoma County. And for a lot of people, just to get from one place to the other, I mean, when you get your power out, I mean, sometimes you just can't go through the stoplight. It's all stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And so you just keep getting places. And for those people that don't have the refrigeration right now, I mean, it's all about what's your ice source. And it's pretty sad. That's where we're at. But we are at that point right now for some people that still don't have electricity. I am not one of them, but I know people that are. And it's pretty bad after five days of not having electricity. And Um, your lifeline is is your cell phone and... I guess people, what, they they go sit in the car, right, and charge their phone up that way. Yeah, they go sit in the car, go, a lot of library. <laughs> Don't go to a library in Sonoma County right now because uh, you're just going to be in people's way at this point. So you just got to do what, by any means necessary, basically, at this point for some people, you know, just however you can. You find people in coffee shops that never go to coffee shops i'll tell yeah. you they don't look like it and they don't you know they don't even know what they're doing well, whatever, in there but whatever. they're just trying to find a plug real quickly so, we were talking about fundraising and, and yeah, what you so, got going yeah. on yeah so uh, basically what we did a couple of years ago we did more of an auction where my friend ziggy the white gal and i i know you've met ziggy too david who judges sunset with us we did an auction lot we got together with a bunch of wineries and actually the people that really came to us was from that coffee park site in sonoma county there's a bunch of production facilities just past that and some of my winemaker friends said chris we can't drive past this place without wanting to cry all the time we need to do something with our wines to help raise them some money so we sold a lot of wines and different kinds of vacations and you know something uh, like a a cool thing with ziggy and i taking you out in uh, pure luxury limos or whatever it took you know, and we made, I think it was $45,000 there. But there was another one that we also did in association with Costco and some other big corporations to really help the evacuation centers and, and to really get them the, what they needed the most, which is basically towels, blankets, pillows, and food. And so we did everything we could to do that. This time, what I'm going to do with my birthday is to... Do the same thing I was going to do, bring in these cool wineries, have them pour. 
also have people donate money. Uh, that anyone that comes in needs to donate some money to the uh, fire relief bank fund, and we do that through Redwood Credit Union, which is a very good, solid bank here in. Sonoma County. I'm not sure if you have them down there, no, but um, I don't think so. it, it's a great, it's a great one. They really did a great job for us in 2017. So I was the one that came up with that. I think I was working out in the garden the other day, or I was just actually hosing down on my yard because in case a bark came our way, we didn't want to burn either, you know, but that's where it came from. Yeah, that idea. Oh, cool. And I know there's a lot of other efforts that are going on as well, and people are pretty generous. Is there a website that people can go to to make donations? Is there anything like that set up that you're aware of? Well, I'm not really too sure right off the top of my head here in Sonoma County. It's happened so fast that it's kind of hard. You know, one thing, too, uh, you, you know, there are great chefs that are helping, too. I mean, what these great chefs of Sonoma County are doing is really really, really something uh, for these people that are really suffering bad and for the firefighters. The firefighters are eating well because of what these great chefs are doing. They'd rather be outside helping these guys right now than, than anywhere else. And I think that's a really important thing that we're, we're experiencing here. And it's not the first time, unfortunately, that they've done this. So it's kind of become like, yep, okay, it's that time again. Just like firefighters, yeah. firefighters got to eat, people got to eat. So that's where the star chefs put on their gear and they, they get out there and they bring a lot of food with them. They're great people. And I want to actually dispel one myth right here and now because I, I feel it's worth speaking up about. I've lived in California my whole life. I've lived in areas that are very fire vulnerable. And, you know, if you don't live in this state, you may have the misconception, especially based on things that you hear from time to time, uh, and I hear about forest mismanagement and all this stuff, unless you've actually been up in these hills and you've seen what brush is all about. If you're in another part of the country, you know forest, you know woods, you know trees. Brush is what California is a lot about. And yeah. it's different. You can't rake brush. It's so wild and untamed that there's very little that you can do. And, you know, unfortunately, Mother Nature wants to burn off from time to time. And that's, uh, and she doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. When you start moving people into areas where this is the way things grow, the potential for catastrophe is there, but it's, it is not as simple a situation to fix as a lot of people, I think, think it is. And I just want anybody that's listening to try to understand that because it, sometimes I hear that people in California are irresponsible or, uh, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. And it's, it's just not the truth at all. I mean, I've lived in the forest. I've lived in the woods. I've lived in brush country. And I know that it's something that's very top of mind to most people. So anyway. Yeah. 
This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, I can hardly believe that we are literally staring down the holidays right now. They're literally at our doorstep, so it is not too soon to start thinking about the wines that you're going to serve during holiday celebrations, wines you're going to purchase for colleagues, your boss or family members or anybody else. Wine is the perfect gift, but it's not so easy choosing the perfect wine. That's where Total Wine and More comes in. With 8,000 different wines to choose from, there is definitely something for everybody. And the folks at Total Wine and More know how to point you in exactly the right direction. So to see everything that Total Wine and More has to offer, you can go to TotalWine.com. Or better yet, just stop into your local Total Wine store. All right, let's move on with the home stretch of Grape Encounters Radio. I think I'm going to stop calling it the home stretch and actually call it last call because it is the last call for the day. But we're going to be back here next week, so there's always a new beginning. And speaking of beginnings, that really is the thing that I want to talk about in this last segment of Grape Encounters. Because one of the hardest things in life is to figure out where to start. I mean, think about it for a second. You go to an amusement park, one of those giant amusement parks, and you go, where should we start? How do we chart our way through this gigantic place? Or even, you know, going to the local mall. Or one of the most difficult ones is just planning a vacation. You're going to put on a lot of miles during your vacation, but where do you start and where do you end? Well, when it comes to wine, that is definitely the case that choosing a starting place can be a really, really difficult chore for most people, especially if you're not an astute wine drinker, if you really aren't as familiar with wine as the wine geeks that I often hang out with. Imagine this for a second. There are at least 10,000 different varietals of wine. Could you imagine if there were 10,000 different sodas, 10,000 different mustards or ketchup or whatever? I mean, it would be a daunting task to figure out how to choose. So when people say to me that they don't like wine, I think it's not that they don't like wine. It's just that among those 10,000 wines, they simply haven't found the one that is best for them. So there are a couple of things I want to share with you today. If you're a newbie when it comes to wine or you just don't feel like you're being totally satisfied by wine, this is going to help you. But also, for those of you who are listening that are really into wine, you love your wine, I'm just going to give you pointers on how you might be able to bring other people that you want to bring into the wine fold in without, you know, losing them along the way or without turning them off. Because so many times we try to get the people in our lives to drink the wines that we love. So if we're hardcore Cabernet drinkers and we're just introducing somebody to wine and you try to start them out on Cabernet, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to fall flat on your face. Now, one observation that I want to make with regard to red wine, which is actually a wine that's really a little bit harder to get people to warm up to, is this. We Americans love our red wines to be fruit forward. Now, I know those dry cab and, you know, Tempranillo, Sangiovese, uh, Spanish wine, Italian wine geeks out there who like the drier wines are, are saying, no, I don't like a fruit forward wine, David. But the truth of the matter is 
this. When people are coming into the wine fold, you're really, really better off to point them toward wines that have a tiny bit of residual sugar. I mean, we're not talking much. We can detect as humans just a a percentage point of sugar in a wine that really causes the fruits in the wine to blossom. And that is a great starting place for anybody that is wanting to start exploring red wines but just haven't been able to find the starting place. So I recommend to you that if you're unfamiliar with red wines, one thing you might do is ask your wine merchant or whoever you're getting your wines from to point you to some red wines that are a little bit fruit forward, that are not bone dry, that are not overly tannic with that desert in your mouth, that are not overly acidic, that are not even over oaked, where you can really taste the fruit flavors. Conventional wisdom these days is telling us that the young wine drinkers who are actually making up the largest share of wine enthusiasts really tend towards sweeter wines. And that's because we live in a society where we're literally fed sweet beverages all the time. And if you don't believe that, go into any gas station or convenience store and look what's available in the refrigerators. So it's a good starting spot. And and I would go one step further and say this, ask for a red wine that is not overly tannic, that is fruit forward, and then you can use the word smooth. It's a perfectly okay term to use with wine. You want it smooth, you want it soft, you want it, you know, to just have a, a little bit of sweetness to it, not a ton, not too much acid, not too much tannin, you know, just a nice mellow wine to begin with. And then from there, you can begin branching out. Now, I feel a little bit differently when it comes to white wine, because generally, I'm finding that if I start somebody with a fairly neutral wine that has a little bit of sweetness to it, not much, they're going to be able to discover which direction they want to go in. So I like to point people towards Sauvignon Blancs, and particularly I'm fond of sending them toward New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs because they've got these nice little tropical notes to them, and they're very pleasing to most people. And then work your way into some of the sweeter wines, and if that really pleases you, then go in that direction. But you can also go to drier wines as well. And, you know, a nice glass of Chardonnay, you definitely don't want to start with super oaky Chardonnays. So tell the wine merchant, I just want a nice mild Chardonnay, not too much oak, not too much butter. If you don't know what I mean by butter, don't worry about it right at the moment. And then you can sort of migrate toward some of the other, you know, fun wines out there. You can go dry or you can go sweet. You might really find that you love an Italian Muscat, which is tremendously sweet. But you know what? It's tremendously delicious too. And I love my dry wines, but I love the sweet wines as well if they're made right. All I want you to do is find your starting spot. That's the important thing. And then branch out, go a little in this direction, a little in that direction. See where it takes you. And as you find that you like more sugar, less sugar, more tannin, less tannin, more acid, less acid, you know, these prime components of wine, you're going to be able to figure out exactly the right wine for you. 
And as I said at the beginning of this segment, uh, the folks at Total Wine & More, they're very good at pointing you in that direction. That's a good place to start because they've got 8,000 wines there that they can direct you to. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More. That is going to do it for Grape Encounters today. We'll be back here next week. Pretty soon we'll be talking about wines and holidays and how you can be prepared for times of celebration. 